Welcome to Celebration Church's podcast. We hope this helps you to know God better and trust Him more. To learn more about Celebration Church, please visit us at celebrationchurchlive.com. And we are now, if you're going to have your bulletin open, your Uversion app open, we're going to get into the fourth part of our classic series. We've been looking at some of the classic stories uh, from the Old Testament. And um, guess what? This, this life in Christ, um, especially for us as New Testament believers, um, this kind of gets laid out a lot like the Star Wars movies. If you hate the Star Wars movies, I'm sorry. Um, but anybody knows that the first movie made was episode four, okay? And you're like, why on earth was episode four made? Part of it was this is the most engaging story. And you come in here and, you, man, you get the heart of the story. And you are, can totally enjoy episode four without ever having seen the original ones. In fact, some people say the original ones just make it worse. And so, uh, but you go back and one, two, and three, it's good backstory. As we're looking at this, we understand and we step into this recognizing what God has done in Christ. And do we have to understand Abraham? Do we have to understand Moses? Do we have to understand those things? Nope. We need to understand Jesus. But there's a place where we begin to see that God was at work. And the, God's plan of Jesus was at work all along, even in Moses, even in Abraham, even in these different places. And so that's what we're doing is looking and getting these highlight moments from these Old Testament <coughs> stories. And so if you're following along, let's go ahead and jump into the middle of this. That the life of Abraham shows us what it means to know God better and trust him more. At Celebration Church, we're about knowing God better and trusting him more. Here on Father's Day, if you were raised in church um, like I was, I was raised in church. I'm raised in a, in a kid's church. And so if you were raised in a kid's church, you remember the old school song, Father Abraham. And so, man, that was my favorite one. Father Abraham had many sons. Many sons have Father Abraham. And I love that one because it had all these motions and all this stuff. And turn around, sit down. Man, I, I know that I could do Father Abraham right now all over again. And no. <laughs> on, on a short time schedule. And, uh, but, um, and so, but that whole concept had many sons had Father Abraham. And Abraham is this is this. Um, so vital, vital, vital person um, throughout history. In fact, today, with 8 billion people on our planet, 4 billion, over 4 billion, would tell you they have some sort of spiritual, religious connection to Abraham. Uh, right now, today, we do. We're part of that over 4 billion Anybody who recognizes, in fact, the, all, everybody who's of the Islamic religion all look back to Abraham as well. Obviously, the Jews all look back to Abraham. Everybody who claims the name of Christ all look back to Abraham. Over half the population of the world has some sort of connection to Abraham. Abraham's kind of a big deal. In fact, Jesus referenced Abraham by name 18 times. Abraham's kind of a big deal. We need to understand Abraham. And so as we look into the life of Abraham, it, it helps us to know God better and to trust him more. And so we've been jumping off with this uh, passage of scripture. Hebrews 12.1 says, Therefore, 
Since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. There are stuff that hinder and there are things that entangle. Notice that it says hinder and entangle, not cast us back into everlasting damnation and stuff. So we're, us as the children of God, we're not worried about sin and slipping back into, into some sort of place of death. But sin does create issues for us. It creates problems. It hurts us and it hurts other people. That's why God says, don't do it. So stay away from it because it causes pain. It, it causes hurt. It, it trips things up. And so as we are looking at these people who've gone before us, they help us to avoid these things that hinder and entangle us as we move forward. And when we look at the life of Abraham, we see in him that when you don't understand God's ways, know that God always does the right thing. That God always does the right thing. This is why the right mindset of who God really is is so vital. Because his nature, who he is, is where our faith is placed. We're placing our faith in who he is. As you, if, if there's anybody, if there's anybody that you trust on a high level, you are trusting who they are. You have, you have seen it. You have witnessed it. You, there have been a place where you have seen it put to the test, where they've been in tight situations, and they've come through. They're people who are honorable. They're people who have integrity. They're people who, who do what they say that they were going to do, and you trust who they are. As we are living life trusting God, we're trusting who he is, and therefore we have to know. We have to know who he is. And there are places where we don't always understand and get the full dynamics of what's going on. The New Testament says we see through a glass darkly. But then once we're, once, once we're not on earth anymore, when we're fully in God's presence, then we'll, we'll be able to fully see everything the way we need to see it. But right now there, there are places where things can be a little foggy. And when you're in a foggy place, when you're in a place where you're like, man, I, this isn't making sense to me. I'm not, I'm not following this. We trust that God is going to do the right thing. That is the foundation of our faith in him. Let's look at Genesis chapter 15, verse 1. It says, And after this, the word of the Lord came to Abram. That's his original name. If you were with us about four weeks ago, we, we spent some time talking about Abraham. But <laughs> Abram um, in a, came to Abram in a vision. He says, Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield your very great reward. I want to pause right there. Uh, folks, um, we want to know God and trust him because knowing God is the reward. God is the reward. So many times if people say, okay, well, if, man, if you trust God, well, then you get this. And if you trust God, well, then you get that. Um, man, all of a sudden, if you begin to try to oversell something, we all instinctively understand, man, there's probably something wrong with this product. If I can get all of that for $19.95, and if I act now, you're going to give me two of them, um, there's, probably, um, there's probably something wrong with this deal. And anybody that tries to feel like they have to, to talk about all of this extra stuff that you get along with God doesn't understand God. Because 
He is the reward. He is the reward. God himself is reward enough. In fact, Revelations gives us a glimpse, this little glimpse at the, at when it's all, everything's all played out. And it says all of us have these, these, these crowns that represent these, these, these places of reward. And you know what everybody does with them? Nobody goes around polishing them or, or strutting them or posting them on heaven's Instagram. Bam, look at that. Bam, look at that. Got the gleam go. Look at my shine. You know what everybody does in Revelation? Take them off and set them down before God. Everybody takes them down and sets them before God. Why? Because he's all the reward we want. He's it. And so, folks, that is why this relationship with God is so amazing and rich. It's not something so we can avoid some, some punishment or we can avoid some sort of this. It's to have a relationship with God. Jesus came to reconcile us back to God so that we could be in the relationship we were supposed to be in to begin with. That God is our reward. And so in this encounter, um, Abram then responds. He says, O sovereign Lord, um, what can you give me since I remain childless? And the one who will inherit my estate is Eleazar of Damascus. And, a and Abram said, you have given me no children, so a servant in my household is going to be my heir. <clears throat> and then the word of the Lord came to him. This man will not be your heir, but a son coming from your own body will be your heir. And he took him outside and he said, look up at the heavens and count the stars if you can count them. Then he said to them, so shall your offspring be. And Abraham believed the Lord and he credited it to him as righteousness. Abraham believed that God was going to, to do what he said he was going to do. was going to br bring about a child for him. And in that simple saying, I you're going to do what you say you're going to do. I believe in your nature, in your good nature. It was credited to him as righteousness, that, that Abraham was righteous. This is the first place where we see where somebody who may not have had righteousness all of a sudden is now reckoned by God as righteous. And there was this place where Abraham believed the Lord and it was credited to him. It was counted as righteousness. And so in this place where Abraham was living his life and, and, and doing his best to, to follow God and to trust God, to do these different things, there's some things that did not line up and make sense. And so God comes out and has him look up at these stars. They, he's a shepherd. He looks at them every night. And he says, okay, now I don't want you to just see stars. I want you to see your descendants. And in that place, a man with no children at all, all of a sudden said, all right, I don't get it. I don't understand it, but I believe you are going to do this, that you are going to be able to make this happen. There's a place where he believed that God would do the right thing. And then all of a sudden here, Abraham is credited with righteousness. We have to recognize that even when we don't understand that God's at work, and if we'll let him work, then God will bring about the right end. We also need to understand that trusting God to do the right thing will keep us from doing the wrong thing. So many times when if we don't trust God to really handle it, we will take back over. 
we have this moment of prayer. We say, God, I need your help on this. And, and we let him kind of have the reins. We do the old Carrie Underwood, Jesus, take the wheel. And so, but you look down and you're driving with your knees. You're like, whoa, whoa, what happened? I thought it was Jesus, take the wheel. And you're like, well, you know, kind of. You know, if you're driving by, you know, you look at my window, I'm, he's got the wheel. You know, but I'm still a little bit in control over here, just a little bit. And so and we do the, we do the Jesus take the wheel. We say, Jesus, I don't know what to do. I'm going to give it to you. It's all yours. And then things don't go the way we want them to go. And then we start taking back over. And we begin to handle it ourselves. When if it's something that he said he was going to do, we have to let him do it. We have to let him be the one to handle it. And so from Genesis 15, we go on to Genesis 16, and we catch up in Genesis 16, 1, and we have Sarai. And so most of you reference her name as Sarah, which they both get new names um, in the next chapter. And so, but here is, it's Sarai, and um, Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children, but she had an Egyptian maidservant named Hagar. And so she said to Abram, the Lord has kept me from having children. Now, God didn't say he was doing that. This is just her take on it, okay? He says, and so she decides she's going to fix this. It was, we've been trusting here for a while. Let's kind of help God along. I've got, a, I've got a good plan here. And so he says, go and sleep with my maidservant. Perhaps I can build a family through her. And Abraham says, no, never. You're my only love. Never. He says, Abraham agreed with Sarah. <laughs> um, man, Abraham, that went too fast, buddy. Um, you said yes to that one way too quick. And uh, so, yes, that's the way it goes down. And they, they begin to handle things in their own way because they weren't trusting God to be able to do it. And sure enough, Hagar gets pregnant, and, and Ishmael comes about, and, and God speaks a blessing over Ishmael, and, and that, that he's going to have a lot of descendants, and there's going to be nations that come from him. And in fact, all of the um, Islamic nations, they recognize Ishmael as the true legitimate son of Abraham. They do not recognize that because he's the firstborn. And they pull the, and, and reckon their descendants all the way back through Ishmael, through this moment. And the tension that exists, the tension that exists between the Islamic nation and the nation of Israel comes back to this place with Father Abraham and his two sons, Ishmael and Isaac. And, and the tension we're seeing, the, the, the conflict in the Middle East that no peace talks have ever fixed, it comes back to this moment we're looking at right here in Genesis chapter 16, that they needed to be willing to trust God to do the right thing. And when they didn't trust God to do the right thing, they did the wrong thing. And so we need to be willing to do that. We need to be willing to know that God is at work in this. And sometimes things take a lot longer, a lot longer than we want them to. We want things to move a lot, a lot quicker. And so uh, we need to recognize this here in, in 2 Peter 3, 9, that the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise as some understand slowness. 
Does everybody recognize that slowness is not a fixed thing, right? You back up uh, 50 years, and something that took a long time 50 years ago, um, we would have today we would have just given up on it. It's like it's not happening. Because slow then was a lot longer. Fast back then is our slow now. And now the next generation is just going to pick up and go quick and go quick and go quick. I ordered something on Amazon and got yet one this past week. I got it the next day. How does that even happen? I ordered it and it was here the next day. I didn't rush it. It was just normal shipping. It's just crazy. But that's our expectation. And it's moved. We spent some time in a foreign land and, and, and went to uh, the, the Navajo Nation, which is a foreign place in uh, New Mexico. And we go there and, man, their idea of time is just way, way, way different. It was totally hilarious having a phone call with one of the pastors there, the Navajo pastors. Because I would say something and then I expected a reply. And I waited a second and I said, are you still there? Yeah. He was just thinking. I expect something. Come on, say something. Grunt, let me know you're there. Something. And so, but everything just moves at different paces. It, slowness is a cultural thing. Well, guess what? God's not slow the way some of us think are slow, but God works in ways that, that work out to his plan. It says, instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance everyone to come to repentance now when you got a big group of people who are all meeting at a restaurant um, when do you want to be able to order the food when you get there as soon as you sit down you're like man those folks are late like wait a second you're 10 minutes late I'm not that late come on now now it's time to order we're ready for it right now and we all of a sudden we see, whereas we're waiting to be able to include and make sure everybody's connected, it feels like this long, long, long time. But God is a good God, and he is, he is waiting because he doesn't want anyone left out. Folks, patience is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. We see it in Galatians chapter 5. Patience is a fruit of the Spirit. And we need patience. We need the Holy Spirit to help us have that, to be able to do things in God's timeline. Because we will rush things and mess things up. We will miss out. So we need the fruit of the Holy Spirit growing in our lives to be able to walk this thing out with God. The next thing we need to understand is that God always does the right thing, even if it seems absurd. Now, between Genesis 16 and Genesis 18, of course, is Genesis chapter 17. And they get, Abraham and Sarah both get new names. Abram means father, but Abraham means father of a multitude. And Sarai means my princess. Isn't that a sweet name for her? My princess. But Sarah means the princess. Now, there's a difference between being my princess and being the princess. And all of a sudden, she becomes the princess. And so they've got new names in this. And now Genesis 18 shows up. It says, and then the Lord said, I will surely return to you about this time next year. This is the Lord speaking to Abraham. And Sarah, your wife, will have a son. 
Uh, Sarah, your wife, is going to have a son. Now, Sarah was listening at the entrance to the tent, which was behind him. And Abraham and Sarah were already old and well advanced in years. And Sarah was past the age of childbearing. So Sarah laughed to herself as she thought. Now, this is an interesting thought. After I am worn out and my master is old. Um, I, I have no idea what that means, that Sarah is worn out. Um, but when it came to the area of having kids, she says, I'm just worn out. Um, I'm, we're done here. And my master's old. Uh, and will I, now, will I now have this pleasure? Will I now finally get to have a kid I am complete. I'm worn out here. My, my, my husband's an old man. He's old. Are you serious? This is going to happen now. And it says, and then the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh and say, well, I really have a child now that I'm old. Is anything too hard for the Lord? I will return to you at the appointed time next year, and Sarah will have a son. We can trust God even when things seem Absurd, even when things seem laughable. You're like, there is no way. Holy Spirit begins to speak that there's going to be restoration in a relationship. Somebody that had been your best friend in years before and Holy Spirit speaks, you're like, there is no way. Lord, um, I'm pretty sure you heard what we said to each other. The names we called each other. There is no way that relationship can be restored. That's laughable. God will work even in the most laughable scenarios. The God begins to speak to you about some promise on some front, and it just seems absolutely ridiculous. I'm telling you, we can trust God on those fronts. Romans chapter 4, verse 19 says, Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old, and Sarah's womb was dead also, yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he had promised. And so as we wrap this up, we want to just quickly look at some stuff that as we embrace these lessons from Abram, from Abraham, of what they help us is, is first off that trusting God lets us live with the right perspective, lets us live with an eternal perspective. Hebrews 11 verse 9 says, By faith he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. He had a bigger perspective. Hebrews eleven thirteen says, All of these were living by faith when, <clears throat> when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. And they admitted that they were aliens and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they'd have an opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, and he has prepared a city for them. And then Paul echoes this sentiment in Philippians chapter 3 that, But our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who, by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, will transform our lowly bodies so that we will be like his glorious body.
that Abraham was able, that when things didn't make sense, when things were laughable, when things did not go on the timeline, that he thought that they should go on, he was able, he was trusting God to do the right thing over and over and over and over again. And in that, Abraham is reckoned and called the father of our faith. And so our bottom line today is that you can't go wrong trusting God to do right. You can't go wrong trusting God to do right. So this morning, I don't know where you are in your faith journey. I don't know where you are in life and those things, but I'm here to tell you, I know God is speaking to everyone's heart that there is some place where he is wanting to take you forward and to move you forward. And there's some place where they, that what God is asking you to do just doesn't fully make sense to your natural mind. And I'm asking you to right here in this moment to go, God, I don't fully see how you can make this work. I don't get it. But there's alive in my heart and I know that you're a good God and I know that you're faithful and I'm going to trust you to do the right thing. So I'm just going to take the steps that I know to take. And I'm going to trust you to move forward with this. Because I'm here to tell you, you can't go wrong trusting God to do right. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Celebration Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.